Welcome to another Calvary Baltimore B-Side with our senior pastor, Josh Plantholt. B-Sides are a companion to the weekly sermon, giving an in-depth look behind the teaching. Now with running commentary to complement this week's sermon, here's Pastor Josh. Welcome to B-Sides. <laughs> uh, we are in uh, Revelation 14 and we are in uh, Psalm 130 today. Uh, let's do our let's do Psalm one thirty first, <clears throat> um, uh, which which I think will be will be fun here, um, and we'll we'll move through this one pretty quick. Um, so Psalm one thirty, why don't you turn yourself there, uh, and remember as as you're turning, this is a Psalm of ascent, uh, something uh, to just talk in the back of your mind. Uh, the Song of Ascent are, are psalms that the uh, Jewish people in Jesus' day would sing on their way up to Jerusalem. Remember, Jerusalem's on built on a mountain range, uh, and so you had to ascend up into the presence of God, into Jerusalem, the city of God, and then up into the, the, the furthest most point uh, to the temple. And these songs were most likely sung even by Jesus uh, in his day as he ascended to Jerusalem during Passion Week. <clears throat> uh, well, I want to do a little screen share here. Here we go. Song of Ascent. <clears throat> so it's broken down into four sections. Let's, uh, let me clean this up for you here. We have uh, we have section one desperation, section two understanding, section three expectant hope, section four confident hope. So so it's broken into four sections, and it slowly moves from verses one and two into being absolutely desperate. To or, or sorry, section one being absolutely desperate, section two verses three and four. Um, uh, coming to an understanding of who God is, uh, section three, verses five and six, one that starts to build an expectant hope in God, and then section four and verses seven and eight, and it's a confident hope. So the hope is expectant in section three, and it's confident in section four. Uh, and, and one of the things, the reason I wanted to show you this for Psalm 130 <clears throat> is, is the words of God in here. Um, out of the depths I cried to you, O Lord. That were in Hebrew, it's Yahweh, the covenantal name of God. O Lord, verse two. That word Lord there is Adonai in Hebrew. Now in the English, we miss this because it's Lord, capital L O R D, capital L O R D. Lord, Lord looks the same, but we actually in the Hebrew have Yahweh and Adonai. Uh, hear my voice, let your ears be attentive to the uh, plea uh, for my pleas of mercy. If you, O Lord, here we have in Hebrew, Yah, short for Yahweh, God, uh, should mark iniquities, O Lord, Adonai, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, Yahweh, my soul waits. And in his word I hope, my soul waits for the Lord, Adonai, more than the watchman for the morning, more than the watchman for the morning. And so I want you to see this pattern here. Yahweh, Adonai, Yah, Adonai, Yahweh, Adonai. Verse 7, it changes now. 
O Israel, hope in the Lord, Yahweh. So that's typical, but now it changes. For with the Lord, not Adonai, but Yahweh, there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. What happens in this psalm is in verse 1, we move from the depths, The depths in scripture often refer, especially in the Psalms, to drowning. The sea was a scary place to the Jewish people, Uh, so it's one of drowning. And as the Psalm continues, and, and the psalmist, most likely David, moves from desperation to understanding and knowledge... To, to expectant hope and then confident hope in the Lord. And as we take that journey with the psalmist, we go from the depths of the sea all the way up into God will redeem his people, Israel, from all their iniquities. So we move from the depths of the sea to redemption with God Almighty. So there's it's, it ascends within its own psalm here. Also, I want you to notice is that the psalm moves from I to we. Out of the depths, I cried, my voice. But then at the very end, he will redeem Israel. So it moves from I to the community, uh, which is very important, which is a topic we'll get into at a different time. Uh, and also, I want you to notice that, again, it ends, verses 7, and so the, the whole verse, sections 1 through 4, each one has Yahweh, Adonai, Yah, Adonai, Yahweh, Adonai. But then it ends on verses 7 and 8, Yahweh, Yahweh, and, and I believe, I believe, I haven't heard anyone say this, but my, my, my suspicion, my thought is, is that as he grows in more and more confidence in who God is, he ends up resting, and the whole thing is, the the psalm ends in him trusting in the promises of God, in who God is, and who he says he is. And so the psalm ends, it concludes with a double Yahweh, the covenantal name of God. And so I believe it ends in this confident hope in who God is by trusting in the covenants of God. By trusting in how God has revealed himself in his word. And that is what we hope on. Not just the bigness of God, the grandeur of God, but when we come to God as a sinner, yes, we come to him as Lord, Kurios of El Shaddai. But what we really are leaning on is that the same father who sent his only begotten son to die for the sin of the world to save sinners. That is the that is we lean on the covenant of, of, of everything Jesus Christ did when we come to God, and that is our confident hope. So I think I, I, this is why the progression moves this way, and I I, I find the structure of this really beautiful. Um, <clears throat> let's keep moving here. I'm trying to see what all we want to get into. Um, I, I like I like what verse three says. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? <laughs> Forgiveness is in God. Here is what the psalm is telling us: that when you stand before God on Judgment Day, you can choose to stand there on your own works, your own merits, your own righteousness, or stand there in faith in God's forgiveness provided in Jesus Christ. And those are our only real two options. 
We have two options stepping into eternity. Do we trust the Lord or something else? And the psalmist lays out here clear as day that if you go into eternity and you meet God Almighty and you are trusting in your own works, you are in serious trouble because you do not have enough righteousness to pay the wages of your sin. <laughs> and biblically speaking, you don't have any righteousness in and of yourself. Uh, uh, also, let's let's keep reading here. Verse 4, But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. More than the watchman for the morning. You know, that my, that's been creeping into my prayers recently, that, that psalm there. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. Two thoughts. First, so many of us need to stop putting so much emphasis on our sins and our failures and need to start putting the emphasis on God's goodness and mercy and love. In our sinfulness, we, we are so quick to fear and, and make our sins as more powerful than the cross, but we, we cannot do this, loved ones. We must not. There is forgiveness in God, for he is good, and he redeems his people. And how does he redeem his people? It says plentifully. Uh, now, if you're paying attention, you may be noticing a recurring theme in this psalm. Uh, the reason God saves us in, in verse 4 is so that we may fear him to reverentially draw near to him. And remember, there was a contrast between the fear of the Lord. There was a fear of the Lord that runs from God and a fear of the Lord that runs to God. Uh, and a fear, the, the, the fear that he wants from us is the fear that makes us go to him in pleas of mercy and forgiveness. And now this psalm is concluding by telling us that when we come to God, not only does he, is he quick to forgive, but then he also redeems, and that word there means to separate us to himself. I, I, I absolutely love that, that, that God not only forgives us, he then separates us to himself. You know, God is not only in the business of forgiving sinners, but is in the but 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 it's also the the, the sinner's job to go to God for forgiveness. <laughs> it's the sinner's job to repent and turn to God. And if we do, forgiveness is in him. And when we come to him, not only does he save us and then we don't fall in and out of his love, but he then separates us unto himself. I just, I take so much hope in that. And then verse 8, it says, And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. This psalm started in the ocean depths and ended up being separated by and to heaven. <laughs> what a picture for us that, that sin may have you in the depths today. But if you put your faith and trust in the Jesus Christ and turn from your sins, you may feel utterly hopeless as if you could never get yourself out. 
But this psalm shows us that God can pull us out of the deepest, darkest pits. And not only is God able to pull you out of sin, he is then able to raise you up. You're not only going to survive, but you will thrive under his shepherding, under his care. Um, And so, a few thoughts here. Uh, First, it's so good to drink coffee again. I can't even begin to tell you. First, if God is this quick to forgive us, then certainly his people must not live contrary to God's will and hold grudges. If God is quick to forgive, then who are we to hold a grudge against somebody that God has forgiven? I want you to think about that. Who are we to write someone off when our Lord hasn't? (laughs) Now, that doesn't mean we need to be best friends with people that have wounded us. But certainly, we can work at forgiveness and move on from our hatred and bitterness. You know, vengeance, justice, mercy, grace, all of this belongs to the Lord. And so the the example God sets for us today is that he is a forgiver. And I, I, I think as we think about how this applies to the church, well, if the master, if the head of the church is a forgiver, then who are we to deny forgiveness? What we need to be a forgiving people as our Lord is a forgiving God, the leader of us. Um, Secondly here, in our last note, uh, thinking on the forgiveness of God, I I love... um, Field trip! Here is songs... Psalms. So I have, uh, I don't know if you can see this, the Reformation Commentary on Scripture. Uh, This one's Psalm 1 uh, through 72. And this one is the Ancient Christian Commentary on Scripture. Uh, And so this goes through the first few hundred years of church history. And as you can see, there's a lot of them back there. And this one goes through the Reformation period. Um, Led, you know, 1560 to 1660. Um, uh, well, I, I love reading those those commentaries. They're they're really insightful. Uh, and and I, I was reading uh, in in the green one there, uh, the Reformation commentary on Scripture. Um, uh, a, a theologian by the name of Theodore Beza, and he commented on the 130th Psalm in the late 1500s. And I'm going to modernize this because if I read it the way that it's translated. Uh, it, it's a little brutal, so I modernized some of this. And this is Theodore Bays on Psalm 130, and I love this. <clears throat> Throughout my days, O oh God, from how many harms did you defend me? I owe you so much as I have lived days and hours and minutes and moments, and yet during all of these moments, I was unaware of how much I should thank you for them. What has caused you to do well by me but anything other than your goodness? 
passing further on in my years. My unworthiness grew on together with my age. We're growing in unworthiness as we live. And your generosity grew so much the more. So as our unworthiness grows as we grow and sin in little ways all the time. God's generosity grows larger as we grow more sinful. Having bestowed abundantly on me not only wit, health, and so many other gifts of use in this life, you comfort me in a thousand afflictions. You have endured with me in ten thousand sins. You have upheld me in innumerable temptations. And speaking of forgiveness, not only as, as a purely eternal act, we can think of God's forgiveness as something that only impacts us uh, on the day of judgment, but what, what Theodore Bezos is fleshing out is that this, this forgiveness is a living reality, tangibly, uh, throughout our whole lives. That God's discipline to those he loves, that God's gifts to those that he loves, all of these are part of the grandeur and the beautiful nature of who God is. Shortly, you never cease by your belly to fight against my malice and against my rebellion in your patience. Lo, what you have done to me, Lord, now what is it that I have done again? What? Why have I deserved any of this? I think of what David said, who is man that you should be mindful of us? What have I done to deserve this generosity and love? Alas, my God, if I enter into this depth of ripping up my iniquities, of which anyone suffices to make me guilty of eternal death. God, if you were to bring out any sin, any sin that I've ever committed in my entire life and hold it against me on judgment day, I surely, I am, says, quite undone. I can therefore do nothing else but ask you to hear my cries, and you will do it, Lord. Isn't that beautiful? He's saying, God, I am a sinner, <laughs> and I am growing in sinfulness. And, and there's a sense as the believer, sanctification is, 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 is a sanctified life. It's a process. We're walking in sanctification. Um, and ideally, right, the believer is growing in maturity, growing in Christ-likeness, growing in, in the fruit of the Spirit as we walk. But at the same time, right, we're still human. This is Romans 7. There's still the old man that lives inside of us. And sometimes we're fussy or irritable or say stupid things or think sinful thoughts. And though we're growing in righteousness under his care, we're also growing in sinfulness in our human flesh. And so when we stand before, if as we enter into eternity, we have only one recourse to be saved, to go to God for mercy. And what this Psalm is telling us that if we go to God in mercy, he forgives and in him is plentiful redemption. Well, that's Psalm 130. Thanks for joining us for this Calvary Baltimore B-Side. If you'd like to get in touch or come visit us at Calvary Baltimore, our website is calvarychapelbaltimore.org. 
You can email us at calvary.faithlife at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you've been blessed by today's teaching and would like to donate to the work that God is doing through Calvary Baltimore, go to our website at calvarychapelbaltimore.org and click Donate Now. Until next time, as Pastor Josh says, study the Word to live the Word to share the Word. And join us again for the next Calvary Baltimore B-Side.